like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we're headed to the annual Friends General Conference gathering that I've attended for 32 consecutive years, a place where I always find all kinds of music and activism appropriate for Northern Spirit Radio programming. This year, David Wilcox performed for the thousand plus of us there, but I was able to pull him aside with a handful of spectators in the audience. I think you're going to love him and his music. Such a deep, heartful soul mixed with guitar talent and magic. Join me and my small audience now in a college classroom in Greeley, Colorado, for a visit with David Wilcox. David, I'm delighted to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks. I must admit, I'm really nervous. I've been looking forward to it, and yet I think, you know, what do I know about my music? I know nothing. But maybe with your questions, we'll find out something. What we're really trying to find out here is about you and about your connection to soul, to spirit. Mm -hmm. And that comes through so abundantly in your music that the only problem is going to be cutting it off uh, when our time is up. So where do you live? What do you do when you're not appearing at the Friends General Conference gathering in Greeley, Colorado? I live in Asheville, North Carolina, where I fix stuff. I can fix anything. I love playing music, and it is my job, and it's been my job for a long time. I love it because it's humbling, and it makes me dig a deeper well. But when I'm home, I really enjoy the finite tasks of, you know, just fixing stuff, just making the outdoor shower drain into the garden where the fruit trees are. It's just really fun. Did you study music? Is that your intent, what direction you were going in your life? I, I went to college for a minute, like six months at Antioch, and I discovered guitar. I'd never played any music before, and I suddenly had my heart opened. Then I realized I had a whole lot of questions that I should have answered before I decided, you know, what my major was. So I realized I shouldn't be, you know, galloping through my education without first answering some basic questions. So I left school and I bicycled for four years all over Europe and the States. And I just was basically asking to be led. And I would bump into things like Teze in France, and I would just follow and trust and come to an intersection and wait and actually wait, just like look right, look left, wait for that stirring. And then I would trust it. And I, because I trusted it, 
miraculous consequences, miraculous coincidences. And so I, I loved finding after four years that music was the thing I wanted to give my life to. I, I, I felt like I wanted to give something back. So I went to Warren Wilson College in Asheville, North Carolina, and I was a music major. And then every time there were classes to choose, I would just choose the classes that felt most interesting. And after about three and a half years, my advisor said, you know, you could graduate. And I said, I haven't done my final project, my music project. And he said, no, not a music major. I said, but I'm a music major. And he said, no, you're a religion major. I said, no. He said, yeah, look at the transcript. (laughs) So I said, how did that happen? But I guess I had to have stuff to sing about. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to Earlham. I'm going to go to the school of religion. I'm going to get, you know, I just, I just had this definite plan. And I went there and I kept realizing that all my answers when I would ask about it kept coming back like the buzzer on a game show. And sorry, you're not going to Earlham. I said, well, but this is a great idea. I'm going to, and uh, I kept getting no, you're going to play music. And I was agonizing over it because it was such a selfish thing. And I just thought, you know, oh, I, I'm just following my own bliss and this isn't doing anybody any good. And it's. And I was talking to Jim Linhart about it, a wonderful Quaker who was at Warren Wilson. And he smiled at me and he said, oh, Dave, you think you have a choice? <laughs> And I said, what's that supposed to mean? He says, well, when you talk about all your decisions that are so logical, your brow gets all furrowed and you just talk with this determination, but you're always looking down. And when you talk about music, then you smile and you laugh and you open your eyes. I said, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. So I was in trouble then. I had to trust this strange pull in my heart and... That's been a great adventure ever since. So give us a sample of your music. Give us an idea of what your spirit life in music is. Okay. I want to play this one first, because this is a song that is the opposite of, hey, look what I found. This is the opposite of, hey, you should believe like I believe. It will change you like a lover When you dive below the reef And see the phosphorescent colors Shimmer way beyond belief But when taken to the surface All that color fades away Cause when lifted out of water Living coral turns to gray But down deep it's so bright That the light won't leave you You've seen this sight But they can't believe you Cause your words go cold And they never could explain There is just no telling where you've been On the map it shows the mountain But I'd never seen a glimpse Of the hundred miles of vista Represented by an inch That was just their trail of breadcrumbs All their words set out so clear But there's nothing they could tell me That could ever take me here To this view, this height That my heart remembers It's proof, it's life It's the burning ember My words go cold 
just no telling where I've been when this sunrise sees me the first light burns brand new seems so easy to tell what I've been through but my little camera can't keep up with Panoramas all around There's just too much view to capture When we stand on sacred ground Though my mind cannot explain it My heart's filled up to the sky I know words could not contain it But I'm fool enough to try And you smile at me And my soul is listening Your eyes, they speak There's nothing missing It's quiet up here We can listen to the wind Cause there's just no telling where we've been Now there's just no telling where we've been Just no telling No Telling Where by David Wilcox. He's here today for Song of the Soul. That's from his album Airstream. You said, David, that that song was kind of the opposite of I've Found It. And part of that makes sense. But one of the things that maybe would be even more completely the opposite was there's nothing to find. But you seem to have great assurance that there's something to be looked for. Where did that assurance to search for the light, for the special, for the mystery, whatever name care to use for it today, where did that come from? Well, my favorite times, the times that make my life a good story to tell, are times when I felt part of a a life as if I were circulating in a bloodstream of a being I'd never seen, as if I were just a cell in a bigger organism, as if there was life that I could not imagine that I was part of and was part of me. Those times came at first without much language, because luckily I was raised with pretty much no religious tradition at all. It was a delightful way to start because my mystical experiences were so obvious to me. I didn't frame them in any religion. I just had this experience of there's ways to be more alive and ways to be less alive. And it it seemed to me just from my experimenting that the difference had to do with something about, at first my language was, what if there is access to this what I call the choreography of the coincidence. What if there's access to this that only comes when I dare to lean into it, when I dare to imagine that it's there? And that's very different from saying, I believe that it's there. It's like, try this, it feels this way. Try that, it feels that way. It was so pragmatic to me. It just felt like this is so much more fun. If I ask myself, you know, do I believe it? I would say, well, no, but I, I don't want to miss this experience because this is such a beautiful feeling. 
I knew that there was danger in that, and I knew I wanted to understand it. But first of all, I didn't want to miss it. And so part of the traveling that I did when I first took off was just trying to find how much I could trust that and how much it would play, almost as if the universe you know, is saying, hey, do you want to play? And I'd say, well, yeah, a little. Oh, this feels good. How much more can I play? And the universe would kind of laugh. And I would say, what? The universe would say, oh, you, you, you want to know? Come on. Come on. Bring it. And I would, <laughs> I would just be flabbergasted. I had this dream, a recurring dream for years and years, that I was somehow in this little cave on the side of a cliff. So imagine the Grand Canyon. You can't climb up. You can't climb down. You're just, there's this window and you can look out at this magnificent view. And when I lean my head out, there's this updraft. There's this strong wind that blows my hair. And when I lean out a little farther, the wind is stronger. And in the reoccurring dream, it always happened the same, where the further I would lean out, the stronger the wind would get. And at one point, I've got my toes on the edge of the cliff, and I've got my arms outstretched, and I'm riding the wind. And I think to myself, if I were to let go with my toes... I would fly, and I never did. I always would say, I really like this life. I like being in a body. I, you know, That was sort of how I would explain my fear of, don't just take off. you got to ground this. you got to sort of have this bliss, but do something with it. And so that was the challenge, to try and take this blissful feeling and somehow, well, not understand it, but but at least find a way to bring that into what I was considering the, the mundane and the boring and the earthbound. I wanted to have both. I wanted to see if I could be in that gap. So for a long time, I was making up language. And when I went to Warren Wilson after my four years of travel and was accidentally a religion major, I would learn about all these great stories, which I really had never heard. I mean, it's so cool being raised by people from different traditions who both gave up completely on religion and decided it's all nonsense, it stops here. And so when I learned these stories, I was listening for the mystics who had written them. I was listening for not the stodgy little congregations, but I was listening for the wild men and women who could sort of barely contain this bliss. Like, Rumi and George Fox and, you know, all the mystics. And so I was pretty ecstatic to find that I had company because I wondered why nobody was talking about this. My experience of, of bliss and sacredness was like people could not have felt this because otherwise the world would be really different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just assumed that I somehow was this bizarre freak of nature and kind of got these weird sort of radio transmissions from somewhere. And I was having to somehow incorporate that into my life. So that's the bliss that I started with. And my job of trying to sort of understand that has been a wonderful, <laughs> frustrating walking ever since. Wow. And that all comes out in your music, of course. So give us another song all right. for Song of the Soul. And... <laughs> we will know this experientially, I think. Yeah. There was a theme that I was on about halfway through there where I was talking about, maybe it's this one, actually. 
Jesus called me a hypocrite when I said that I believe. He said, How can you follow love without a willingness to leave? Gates and the passwords known by just your kind. Walk beyond the divisions that religions always find. And be the mercy my people need the peace. This fight over faith won't. Said I'd spread the word. He said, How can you teach of love unless you live what you have heard? Hear the hearts of the people crying out in pain, pain caused by dominion and fighting in my name.
That is Beyond Belief. It's from David Wilcox's recording, Open Hand. Talk about open hand and talk about open tunings because I'm musically illiterate, which is kind of ironic that I do a show called Song of the Soul, but it speaks to my soul so much, but I really don't know anything about the technicalities. And as a religion major, you shouldn't either. (laughs) Part of what I love about open tunings is that it does take me into that beginner's mind. It does take me into that place where I can't tell myself I should know how to play the guitar because I've just changed the relationship of the strings to each other. It's totally different. The patterns you learn that you think are guitar chords now make noise instead of sound. So I come to the instrument with a fresh start and I just ask, so what do you want to do? And the guitar says, well, I've been thinking something like this. And I go, oh, wow. Through the process of writing, there's this wonderful sort of emotional alchemy that happens that turns old pain into joy and compassion and energy and I get my heart back song by song. So when I sit down to write a song, I don't want to start with what I know. I want to start with being moved and I just trust that if there's a chord or a phrase or a melody that moves me, I trust that the reason why it moves me is because it's coming from a place that I'm going. It it has a, a knowledge that I want to learn. So the process of writing is find something I feel and then slowly uncover it. Before we go on, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Song of the Soul. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production, and I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet. We're on the web at northernspiritradio.org. That's not Southern, and it's not body, and it's not TV. Northernspiritradio.org. <laughs> And on the site, you can find about eight years of our recordings, and you can listen to and download them. You can post comments on them. We love to have your comments because we love two-way communication. There's also a place where you can leave donations, and your donations make all of the difference to us. So please help us out that way. But also, please remember to support your local community radio station, providing you an alternative portal on reality that just gets filtered out of so much of our media. So do support your local community radio station. Again, this is Song of the Soul, and today we have David Wilcox here to share his Song of the Soul. David, there's so much piling up in me that I want to ask you, and you've got so much to share. I'm aware that some of this is probably going to go out to the web. Mm -hmm. I do put extracts from my programs out on the web. So if you look for the excerpts on northernspiritradio.org and the interview with David Wilcox, you'll find some more of the gems that were shared here today. One of the things that struck me, though, when you talked about your family upbringing and just, you know, people who are done with religion, your mother and father, it's like, we don't have any place for this stuff here. Mm -hmm. And yet here they've got a little roomy or a George Fox growing up in their house. I can imagine when you found out that your avocation, your calling was to religion and to music, that this might have created some tensions at home. (laughs) Did you get kicked out or anything? Oh, no, because I love finding language that's not threatening. And I love finding ways to tell stories that, you know, maybe a couple thousand years old, but tell them in a way that isn't frightening. They don't come tromping up with their conclusions first. They just tell a good story. I have always sung about 
the part of the journey where you're you know lost and trying to make sense of it and feel this wonderful invitation this yearning it was fun going through my songs looking forward to this interview and sort of seeing the different voices that speak the the most important one is that sort of gratitude and that wanting to feel the current wanting to step into the river until it just lifts me off my feet and moves me and then the other voice that speaks in my music is always this kind of with a sense of humor but a frustration about like look what humans do with this beautiful piece of their human experience i have all these funny songs about like how we divide each other up you know like set ourselves against other people who have a slightly different experience of the mythical, beautiful, loving unity that unites us all. Hey, your vision of unity that unites us all is slightly different than mine. I can't worship with you. Get away from me. I got to worship my unity, my overcompassing love of everything. And I hate you. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) So I have such compassion for people who are done with religion. I totally get it. I see that it is, you know, there's a, Definitely, you could argue, done way more harm than good. And yet, you know, my life would be sort of, you know, like logically cleaner and completely boring without that bizarre stirring in my heart. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Can a brother get an amen? amen. <laughs> so I'm still wondering how your family reacts to this? Would they prefer to have you singing about going into the mystery or would they prefer to have you singing, feel like making love? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great song, actually. But anyway, I think they understood that there was something kind of noble about deciding that the most blissful part of your life was the one you were going to take seriously. And they didn't argue that. They just argued on the pragmatic side of it. It's basically the same behavior that, you know, addicts have. And you have to make your peace with, you know, you live in a body, you live in this earth, in this community, you know, you live under the rules of cause and effect and consequence and take care of yourself. I'm very grateful that I love to fix things around the house because I am also very pragmatic about looking at this life and saying, you know, okay, so the things that make it worth living are this and this. They're not going to earn me money. So how can I arrange my life so that I can have these things and not die? You know, that was the (laughs) whole goal, you know. And so I decided... I could live really simply. I could live in a communal house with other people, very cheap rent, and afford to spend my time doing what I loved. And because I was so good at lowering the overhead, I could actually afford to play music. It sounds to me like you really, it's really central to you to have a spirit-blown life, one that goes with the winds of spirit. I'm aware that there's danger in that you can get blown out to nether parts. So how do you balance that out? What is your anchor? What provides you a base or a a touchstone? The danger aspect I was so aware of. And I would see friends who would get caught up in, you know, whether it was some cult or just some ungrounded kind of thing and have this kind of unsustainable bliss. 
and then really have these painful crashes with disillusionment and hurt. So I, first of all, had this kind of agreement that I needed verification. I would have this kind of conversation with the hunch, with this tug in my heart, if it had a particular sort of appetite, if it had a particular thing that it said, hey, we should go do this, we should work with such and so. And, you know, I would sort of ask for verification with coincidences. And I have kind of playfully come to my personal belief that if you search, you are searched for. And if you ask to be met at a particular place with a particular language, you will be met. And, you know, I have a friend who it's crows, you know, it's like, he'll ask a question, listen for the reply. And it's sort of this one for yes, two for no. And it's the crows. (laughs) And I say crows. And he says, do you think God's too proud to like deal with crows? So for me, it's, it's humans, but it's humans that answer without me asking. Like, for example, I was a street musician. I was playing during lunch hour down at City Hall in Philadelphia, and I'd play at South Street in the evenings, and I was making great money, better than if I'd been working 40 hours a week at, you know, the job that I could get if I got a real job. And I was still tortured. I was still feeling like, yeah, this is fun for now, but but what about the future? What about, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is selfish. I don't know. I was walking back from playing and I'm carrying my guitar and I'm stopped at a crosswalk and I'm praying actively, insistently, you got to tell me, you got to tell me, is this the right? And I hear this voice that just says, you got to do it. And I looked around and I don't see anybody. You go ahead and do it. And I look around and I walk and I, there's this wino in a doorway. And he looks at me. Yeah, you go ahead and do it. And I say, do what? And he says, I don't know, but do it. <laughs> so now I'm walking down the street and I'm thinking to myself, the wino was available. And I thought available is a great thing. I want to be available. You know, I want to be the person who's sitting on the subway and feels the heart of the person besides them and says, God, what needs to be spoken here? I've got this perfectly good tongue. I'm just sitting here, you know. (laughs) You know, I think you're lucky that that it was a wino who was available because if it had been a crow, all you would have heard is never more. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I ask for verification and I get it. Well, then I'll ask you a question. Could we have some more of your music, David? Why, certainly. I was imagining trying to find a way to speak of this strange thing that happens where the road appears when you start down it. And if you go faster, it appears faster. And I thought, how about a playful version of the wise men, you know, the ones who saw the star and set out across the great journey. And uh, I just thought, you know, in the, in the kid's picture book version of that story, the star is gigantic. It takes up half the page. And you think three people show up with a star that big? <laughs> so here's my song about that. A bright star in the winter sky led to Bethlehem that night. But only three traveled there to see 
And the rest just wish they might Few will choose to follow Out of all the star invites Most will hide safe inside With the lantern turned up bright Waiting for a miracle For a miracle Waiting for a miracle Waiting for a miracle For a miracle For a miracle The journey was a long one So the story's told These three guys walking side by side With their incense and their gold People all along the highway They just shook their heads They looked hard at that distant star And went back to bed Cause they were waiting for a miracle For a miracle Waiting for a miracle miracle from his album Vista and it's kind of a miracle that we're able to connect like this I'm so glad that we have I mean you're down in North Carolina mm-hmm. I've been and I've even been I suppose within 40 50 miles of your home what is your homestead like you talked about living cheaply in a community who do you live with and who makes your miracles possible <laughs> When I was living in that big communal house, that's a wonderful Google search. You could Google Howard Hanger or Hanger Hall. Howard Hanger is a a minister who runs this beautiful congregation called Jubilee. And he has this huge Victorian house, which he bought cheap and has restored. And there's lots and lots of rooms that get rented out to interesting artistic people. And so I lived there for years. But when we were making a family and raising a kid, we decided to get a little house. So now we don't live there anymore. 
you know, there's a couple pieces I wanted to get filled in. Until you left home with your parents, were you not exposed to religion? Because I've noticed in several of your songs, you talk about Jesus or you're talking about following the stars. Those are stories that I'm, I guess maybe you found out when you accidentally became a religion major. Are those stories compelling for you? Are those the ones, or is it all the stuff that's beyond words that's your real image? I mean, you're obviously grabbing these other ones, and Jesus calls you a hypocrite. You must know what Jesus might say that about. I do love the connection that I get, the transmission that I get, that now here again, I'm saying this is my experience, and this is not like something I can say I believe like it's some verifiable thing, but when I had the experience of asking Jesus into my heart, it was when I was a street musician and there were other people on the street there, like street preachers from city churches, and they would come by and they would, you know, kind of in between songs, they'd say, do you want to talk about this? And I'd I'd say, well, yes, I do want to talk about this. I have so many questions. And I'd ask them all these questions. I'd say, so what's with the old language? What's, What's with the thee and thou? And like, isn't Lord something that, you know, is like feudal land ownership or what? How do we... Why can't I just say, yay, God, instead of praise the Lord? And they say, well, you going to say it? You gonna say, Go ahead. Say, yay, God. Go ahead. And so I would talk to them about like, so what is this, like magic words? I say these words and then something happens in my heart. And they say, yeah, you want to know? And going to do you no harm. I'd say, yeah, I want to know. What do I do? <laughs> and so as usual, I was translating in my head as I put my hand on their Bible and I said the things that they said to say. And I was translating my own prayer, which was, I don't expect you to behave like some machine when I say magic words. And I don't want to debase you by saying that you are contained in this or that. But if you can find me, I don't know where to look. And I'm looking here. Are you willing to meet me here? And then my heart suddenly has company. And then there's tears and joy and and I feel like I'm not alone. Like for days and days, I'm just strangely different and feeling like I don't know what happened, but something happened. And I could say to myself, you know, even if this is some bizarre neurological thing, I find so much, I don't know the word, I just am more alive than I've ever been. And, you know, if this kills me, I would I would take a shorter time of this rather than a longer time of a long, slow death. And so help me understand, help me survive with this bliss in my heart. So, yes, the old language, the old stories, when I ask, who were these people that wrote this? Who were these people who were so moved, who gave everything? What was it they were moved by and Is there something that abides in this crazy, illogical life of this man who was so unafraid to follow love that he would follow it to the death? What does that do to my heart when I ask for that, not just that life, but that fearlessness, that power of love? You know, I could keep myself busy with my plans and make my world small and make my fortress strong, but I'm bored. I would like it if you could show me that the world is more complicated, more interesting. 
I would like it if you could show me that there are things I don't know that are closer than the air I breathe. And, you know, when you ask something like that, you better duck because it's coming in <laughs> low and fast right behind you. And I, I just love how I just get reassured again and again. Yes, people have felt this before. No, they don't all die. They're not all crucified. Don't be afraid. <laughs> you might just release another CD. <laughs> Thank you so much for that story. I, it's essentially your story of born-again experience mm -hmm. in so much different language and so much different understanding than I've heard it shared before. And I, and I, I fully believe that that born-again experience is, is completely real, authentic, and transformational for folks. But my sense has been that it gets put into a certain box, given certain words and given certain images, you just busted that all clear, so thank you. And keep, and keep busting us open with another song. All right. So here's a song about that uh, lovely willingness to sacrifice a little certainty for a little more life. Certain in my youth, God knows I had my scientific proof in my mind I thought I saw the truth I never looked beyond my lenses I never saw that it was you the wind inside my fist No, it's out of the question I try to trap you and I know I've missed Out of the question You're closer than the air I breathe But out of the question Into the mystery trap you and I know I've missed out 
closer than the air I breathe But out of the question Into the mystery Into the mystery The truth is there for finding But the logic that's involved Is a mystery unwinding And not a problem to be solved Out of the question wind inside my fears Out of the question I try to trap you and I know I've missed Out of the question You're closer than the air I breathe But out of the question And into the mystery Into the mystery Into the mystery Out of the question, and Into the Mystery. That's the CD it's from? Into the Mystery. Yes. Again, we're visiting with David Wilcox. The website, davidwilcox.com. You can find the link on northernspiritradio.org. You know, I want to sit and talk for the rest of the day, the evening, a couple more days, but unfortunately we do have to finish this off. So I'm going to rush us into just one more song. Great. And, and it feels like a great poverty that I'm stopping at this point. I just want to let you know, David, I'm so very much loving the traveling with you. Thanks. Uh, can, can I ask you a question, though? So you... you in Philadelphia, you're, you have a transformational experience. You keep traveling as a seeker. The first song that you shared was No Telling Where. And yet, I hear some finding in what you're doing. So, do you have some names for the signposts along the way, where, where you find yourself now? I mean, I'm not trying to put it in a box. I'm not trying to cage it, right? But... How do you say that right now? Every week there's Zikr at our house, Sufi chants. I found myself in this wonderful gathering where people were speaking a totally different language in a culture that scared me. And I did my usual thing of saying, God, is this okay with you? Is my soul in danger? What should I do here? I'm with these people. They're praying. Should I go inside and pray with these chants or should I stay outside? I got quiet and I listened. And I just had this beautiful vision that made me laugh. I just kind of had this thing in my imagination where this hippie guy comes up. He's kind of like this Jesus character, you know, and he kind of likes walks up beside me and he walks right past with the flowing robes. And I say, hey, and he turns around, Jesus, where, where are you going? He says, there's, there's prayers on the night wind. Come on. And I said, they're in Arabic. And he says, I'm not afraid, are you? Come on. And I just got this strange sort of thrill about like, this is what Jesus does. This is the confounding questions. Who is your neighbor? 
And when we are faced with something that scares us as if it is God himself who will be offended and we are willing to love over the fear, that's the point where, you know, it all comes alive brand new again. This this crazy carpenter comes springing through the cracks in the pavement like springtime grass where life is stronger than rigidity and fear. And I just have this continual sort of miraculous feeling that the place for me to find my spiritual comfort is in the discomfort, is in the how can I love here? And if I can love here, then why not another step? Maybe I could love here. That's the walking, I feel. So Sufi prayers. Wonderful. (laughs) It's a gift. Send us off with one more prayer song, I'm thinking. And the infidels Just outside the gates of hell Waiting on their judgment to fall They looked around from face to face So different in their faith and race How could heaven ever welcome them all? Cause each one certain he had made the grade Was judging all the others with a holy rage Saying there's one crime all of them are guilty of The commandment of one God to love Everybody fighting over one God to love All of them were surprised as hell To see the way the judgment fell Cause none of them would see the light above They're all thinking they could stand apart But the same hate was in every heart There's little left of a religion without love And each one certain he had made the grade Was judging all the others with a holy rage Saying there's one crime all of them were guilty of The commandment of one God to love Everybody fighting over one God to love So all of them appealed their case and stood before the one Asking why would God make different fates Concealed in different tongues Heaven knows the reason All beliefs are not the same God to see who loves their enemy. He's called by different names. But each religion failed the test, fighting over which faith said it best. And there's one crime all of them are guilty of the commandment of one God to love. To love, David Wilcox. Beautiful way to send us off for Song of the Soul. David, so much I 
just love your story, your spirit. And I thank so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thanks for doing what you do. I'd always wanted there to be an interview like this. I'd always wanted there to be sort of like, what's the connection? What's the story? What's the back, you know, the reasons? And uh, it's delightful. You know, most interviewers, when they when they ask questions of musicians, they say, so do you think this uh, style of music is getting more popular now? <laughs> How would I know? <laughs> And like, if it's in fashion, is that good or bad or what? (laughs) You just keep asking the right questions. (laughs) Thanks so much, David. Thank you. One last reminder, listeners. There were so many riches in this interview that I had to shorten it for broadcast, which means you can find extra bounty in the form of bonus excerpts on our website northernspiritradio.org and you'll find more music and interview there so visit and remember to post a comment when you do visit the theme music for song of the soul is by chris williamson and it's called song of the soul my name is mark helpsmeet and this is a northern spirit radio production you can listen to this program again track down the list of songs included and a whole lot more on my website northernspiritradio.org and I invite you to share your song of the soul with my listeners just contact me via my website and please join me weekly for song of the soul you can be happy let in the light it will heal you and you can feel you and sing out a song